Welcome to Reading Between the Reels. I'm Matt Leader. And I'm Craig Dickinson. Today on the show, we have some audio uh, from a special Zoom session we did uh, with my class and a couple of guests. We had Dan Zare from Coffee with Kenobi and Din from F105. And both these guys were kind enough to zoom in and take questions from my class. And uh, what follows is some interesting insights uh, by these two guys. So hope you enjoy uh, what we have for you. So, um, you know the band at Moss Eisley Spaceport? Yes. What was the name of the instruments they were playing? Uh, so you're talking about Figrin Dar and the Modal Nose, that's the name of the band. Uh, you know, I actually don't know the name of the instruments off the top of my head, but they are uh, in a bunch of different resource books that uh, Mr. Dickinson could probably show you, but they're not normal instruments uh, for sure. Okay, thanks. Who's next? Come on, Angus. Guys, we can go ahead and, like I said, form, go ahead and form a line. Go ahead and get out of your seats. We'll just we'll have plenty of room to line up over there. And then we'll just get out of the line. In The Phantom Menace, do you think the outcome could have been different if Qui-Gon didn't take Anakin from his home planet and if um, Obi-Wan didn't take him under his wing? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that's two parts. I think if Anakin stayed there, I think just the way he is and the way the Force is, eventually he would have found himself in the middle of conflict. Uh, but I guess it's also possible if he just ignored his abilities and just kind of did what he did. Eventually he wouldn't really grow very much in his power or his powers would fade away like Ahsoka said was going to happen to Grogu in the Mandalorian, if you are all familiar with that. I think if Qui-Gon was alive, and Dave Filoni talks about this in a different um, series, I think that he would have been more of a father figure to Anakin, which is what Anakin needed. And I think Anakin would not have turned to the dark side, or it would have been a lot harder for him to do so. But then it would have put Palpatine and Qui-Gon in direct conflict with one another, and that would have been a fascinating story. What do you think? I That's why I was asking the question, because I was thinking it would be more like... Um... I was thinking since he was known as the chosen one, that eventually he would end up in the conflict anyway, one way or another. Right. Yeah, I mean, you're basically talking about free will versus destiny, you know, whether we can choose what's going to happen uh, or things are just going to happen regardless of what we do or don't do. But most people believe in something called soft determinism, where you believe there is a general plan and a makeup for your life and your future. Ultimately, you choose how hard or how easy it is to get to that plan. All right, cool. Thanks. Awesome. That's good. Okay. Bad, thank you. Um, my question is, why was Luke called the last Jedi when there were others still alive, like even after the fourth movie, like Baby Yoda and like Ahsoka Tano? Right. Well, I guess, I mean, there are two answers to that. The, the out-of-world story is that because George Lucas hadn't come up with those, or no one, or John Favreau, Dave Lone hadn't come up with those characters. But in story, he's the last Jedi because he is the immediate offspring of the Chosen One. So he is the one that stands the most uh, traditional line of training that the Jedi undergo. And I believe that Obi-Wan and Yoda, for all the things they have learned, even after death, Obi-Wan, even when he's one of the Force, doesn't experience complete enlightenment. It still is 
fallible and makes human errors and human choices and mistakes. And Ahsoka technically isn't a Jedi, even though she really is more of a Jedi than most of the Jedi in the actual order themselves, because she embodies what it really truly means. Without any hubris or anger or or some sort of an agenda like Obi-Wan and Yoda have, because they still hold Anakin responsible to a degree, and they there's still a part of them that believes that revenge or punitive judgment like death is something that will get rid of the evil in the galaxy, but you can't fight evil with evil. That's, that's not how it works. In fact, that's the opposite, as we've learned traditionally through uh, the Bible or other great stories and, and mythologies and ideas throughout culture. Oh, that's it. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I love that. What? Great question. Um, in your opinion, how many people in the film knew that Padme was a queen and her bodyguard was a decoy? Uh, I I don't I think they were kind of led. To, I think Qui Gon had an idea, but I think he's the only one that really knew. What about you? Um. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's hard to know, isn't it? I mean, Qui-Gon kind of makes a look. You kind of suspect it. But I think he's the only one that actually knows. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you. Yeah. Bet. Thank you. Um, what's the significance of a lightsaber? Like, why is it not called, like, a blaster or something else? Why is a lightsaber called a lightsaber? Yeah. Is that your question? I, I really like that question. So... The kyber crystal inside the lightsaber, which powers it, is also a crystal that helps the Jedi center him or herself and become more in tune with the Force. And so that's why lightsaber is so critically important. Why Obi-Wan says, Anakin, your lightsaber is your life, because it helps the center and balance them. But it, So that's why it's important. But why is it called a lightsaber? I think it, ultimately uh, it's a it's a, it's a the joke is that it's a laser sword because that's what George Lucas originally called it. But it's shaped like a saber or like a sword. And, and of course, it's got light, which is the energy that it powers it and also can cause damage or protect. So I think, just in essence, that's, that's the name in itself. Oh, all right. Thanks. Thank you. Um, I was wondering, at what point do you think Luke actually became a Jedi? I love that question. I think, I think you can uh, really a Jedi and the trials that go through to become Jedi. It's like a formality, uh, you know, where a bunch of people decide, oh, you're a Jedi, you're a Jedi Master, you're a Jedi Knight, whatever. But really, when it comes to it, down to it. When Luke throws his lightsaber away and says, I'll never join the dark side, and he's willing to give into a pacifist or a nonviolent mentality, he's willing to sacrifice and not use evil to fight evil. That is when he becomes a Jedi to me. What about you? Um. Yeah, I agree. I just think that he, he really became a Jedi after uh, Vader died. Yeah, I think I think somewhere around when he gives up his lightsaber or when Vader passes away. I mean, that's like the ultimate trial to face the Emperor and Vader, two of the most powerful Sith, arguably, that have ever lived. And to face them uh, knowing that he could die, but also not choosing violence. 
because we have a myth of resistive violence in our culture. We think violence or, you know, watch movies and, and look at the books that you like or, or the TV shows that you enjoy or stuff on streaming. Whenever you see the villains defeated not by death, then you've got something much more insightful or intelligent that you're watching. People and the bad guys are killed. Then we've got that myth of redemptive violence and violence is the only answer. And really, it, it just causes more problems. Thank you. Uh, I was wondering why Mace Windu has a purple lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, so, uh, in story, it's kind of a balance of blue and green, even though color-wise it doesn't really make any sense because he's part defense and part offense. But behind the scenes is that Mace Windu was asking George what color was the light that were going to be, and George Lucas said, well, either blue or green for the, for the light. And he said, well, purple's my favorite color. Can I have purple? And George Lucas said, sure, why not? So then Mace Windu slash Samuel L. Jackson got a purple lightsaber. All right. Thank you. Um, I was wondering why the Jedi weren't able to tell the um, the Chancellor was Darth Sidious. Yeah, that's a really good question. I think it's a combination of things. I think the hubris or or the belief that the Jedi were completely doing right and completely understood what the right thing to do was all the time. A lot of their judgment, you know, arrogance and pride are very powerful things in the real world. And that's when the apology is at its strongest because lightsabers and the force aren't real. But arrogance and pride and underestimating others is certainly a very human thing that happens every day. So there's that, plus I think the emperor is so powerful that much like a cancer or some sort of a parasite, over time they slowly kind of seep into something that is good or pure or full of life and light and slowly erode it so carefully and strategically that you just don't notice it until it's too late. Kind of what a predator does. I think he uses the dark side to cloud everything, which Yoda mentioned several times throughout the prequels, but then by the time they really figure it out, it's just way too late. Yeah, thank you. Bet. Um, I was wondering why the Phantom Menace is called the Phantom Menace. You know, that's a great question and one that's uh, still kind of debated to this day. And the Phantom Menace came out in 1999, so it's been a while. I used to think the Phantom Menace was Darth Maul because nobody knew who he was and he shows up in the end. But really, the Phantom Menace to me is Palpatine because a phantom is invisible or unknown or unseen. And Palpatine usurps and tricks his way into becoming in charge of the Galactic Republic. And he's a menace that they don't realize until, you know, several movies or six years later as far as when these movies were made. So that, to me, Palpatine's a menace. What about you? Oh, uh, yeah, I would agree. Um, or Mr. Dickinson might be the menace, too. Okay, thank you. You bet. My pleasure. Um, I was wondering if you think Jar Jar Binks could be a Sith Lord. <laughs> no, every year, I, I do this with my mythology students too, and I teach seniors in high school. 
But now every year people say that. That was like a fan thing. Uh, there's actually a Ian Desher, who I'm sure your teachers talked about, wrote some William Shakespeare Star Wars adaptations of these films. And in it, he has Jar Jar Binks is actually very intelligent. But people misjudge him because of how he talks or how he looks. So he has silly and bumble his way into thinking something that people just don't give him any credit. But no, I think. And taking things, and, and Charger is only about helping other people, so technically it's impossible for him to get this. So sorry to ruin your fun. <laughs> Fine, I think that's a good answer. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, just really quickly, uh, we have we have now two guests. Din from F105 has also joined us. So uh, you guys can ask your question, and then we'll have um, Din and Dan can both answer the question. Awesome. I got a couple minutes anyway, and I got to go. So perfect. Hey, Din. Yeah. And so, yeah, hey, Dan, Dan as, as soon as you got to drop out, you, you go ahead and go. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, thanks, guys. I was very impressed, as always. Uh, have a great summer, and congratulations on having such a cool teacher. I was wondering, um, like, you know, like if why the movies were released in like, like out of order, I guess. And like, if you think that it affected like, like the delivery, I guess, of the or like if it confuses the story at all, or do you think it's just like fine? Well, that's a funny story. Uh, I I saw it from uh, the, when it was the first movie was just called Star Wars and it didn't have a number. So, and then the second movie, Empire Strikes Back, all of a sudden uh, had a number five. And then they after they gave the first one, the number four. So I sort of saw the first three in order. And then uh, when I was in my early twenties, I saw the second three, which is the prequels. And now there's 11 movies and, um, 20 billion TV shows that are all out of order. So yeah, it's completely confusing. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> but um, I, I, do, I do know that George Lucas started with the middle because he felt that that was the most entertaining story to give audiences. And he, I guess he was right because Star Wars in 1977 is still the second um, biggest movie moneymaker in movie history with adjusted for inflation. Thank you. Welcome. Do you think Anakin and Padme are cute? Are cute? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, uh, up and up until he killed all the um, the Tuscans and she sort of just said, that's okay. <laughs> it was cute up until that point, then it got a little dark. <laughs> okay, thank you. Beautiful, love it. Welcome. This is fun, by the way. I've never spoken to a class before. This is my first time. Well, I'd, we'd love to have you come every year if you, if you like. Yeah, I'm looking very, I'm at work today. So rock musicians have to work too. And uh, I'm not used to wearing a tie. I hate this thing. Thanks for being here. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, in The Phantom Menace, why do you think the Jedi Council uh, let Obi-Wan train Anakin, even though Obi-Wan is such like a recent Jedi, and Anakin was uh, deemed to be too old to train? Uh, 
I think one thing that's cool about the Jedi Order of that time, that's which is also indicative visually in the fact that they all have individualized Jedi uniforms, is that even though the Council has final say if they vote on something, they do seem to have gray areas where they allow Jedi to make their own decisions, which is really cool. You know, um, someone can't be a leader unless you allow them to lead. So it, it seems to me like that's part of their philosophy that they let um, they let Obi-Wan take a Padawan as, as a learner. And actually, if you think about it, it might be that if a Jedi decides to take a Padawan learner that they have final say because um, in the scene earlier, Qui-Gon says, if you won't train him, I take him as my learner. He doesn't ask them, he tells them. So then I feel like Obi-Wan does the same thing because Qui-Gon dies, Obi-Wan just says, I will take him as a learner and train him, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I, I think there's something to be said about um, not being totally top down in terms of leadership and allowing allowing Jedi to be leaders in their own way. Yeah. It's a more evolved way, you know, more evolved way of um, running things, systems, I think, is to allow people to trust to be their own leader. Uh, do you have a favorite character? Yeah, my favorite character is Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> Why is that? Why is that? Um, I don't know if I, I always have different favorite characters, but I will say Anakin's my favorite character. But um, when I saw Ahmed Best at Star Wars Celebration Chicago in 2019, his first celebration that he did since, you know, he went through so many issues with being uh, given a hard time by some people in fandom that it led him <clears throat> to com uh, consider um, he had some real mental problems, so I'll let you guys maybe discuss that with your teacher. I don't know how, how in-depth I can go with uh, this class in, into that and in, into his mental issues. But um, at Star Wars Celebration, he said something really important, which because everyone was criticizing him and saying it was a racist character and all that. And then, but he's a black person. And he just said to an audience of like 10,000 people, this is just another case of white people telling a black person how to do their job. And once he said that, I realized Ahmed is the coolest and Jar Jar is the coolest. But yeah, Anakin's my favorite character because I think, um, I think psychologically, uh, young, young people definitely go through uh, the psychological trials. I know I did when I was younger that Anakin goes through. So to show that and um, to, I thought was very daring of Lucas and very helpful too. Okay, thank you. Welcome. Okay. So this in is this is like rapid fire questions. Okay. Yes, back to back. Anyways, um, <laughs> when Sidious like zaps the crap out of Windu, why does Sidious go all old and wrinkly? And uh, <laughs> that's a great question. Here's my opinion, and I think um, based on some, I think Lucas himself said. Uh, I could be wrong. Uh, I think he said it, but I'm definitely saying it. Palpatine's true face is the white wrinkly face that has been contorted and twisted by evil over a long period of time, the dark side that he's been using. So what he's actually doing there is using that as an excuse to show, to take his mask off, which is the nice kind face. 
Um, and I think, I think, yeah, I think the dark side has, has literally slowly twisted his face over the years that he's gotten so heavily into it. And if you, if you look at his face, um, I think he hides it to different degrees. Like his face in the office at the beginning of Attack of the Clones looks older than he does, say, at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith. So my opinion is that could be a makeup thing or it could be that he has greater to lesser degrees of success in, in hiding his mask on a day-to-day basis. Hmm. Hiding, hiding his true face, which is the, the evil white one, uh, twisted okay. one. Interesting. Thank you. Great question. I like that. Yeah. Thank you. That's a good catch. Yeah, if you think about it, he does look really old at the beginning of Attack of the Clones. Yeah, he, he looks older than he does at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to me, in the beginning, Attack of the Clones, it's like a little bit of his of his mask is just like five percent, you know, two percent sneaking through. Um, would you rather be a Jedi or a Sith? Um, well, like Lucas says, I have one blue lightsaber and I have one red one. I'm joking. <laughs> I think I think understanding that everyone needs to understand that they have all of creation in them the knowledge of good and evil, dark and light. And it's only through the duality of creation that we have the chance to even choose the light. So without the dark, there's no choice. So with given that, I would choose to be a Jedi and choose to be of the light uh, in every moment of every day. And that would be a master. A master would be someone who, who could do that moment to moment, uh, given any circumstance, no matter how hard it is. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Another good question. They're all good questions, by the way. Um, I was wondering, why was the rule of two created when it was broken multiple times throughout the series? Uh, well, I don't think... I think the Sith would be the first people to never stick to a rule. <laughs> They're obviously not following any moral rules or, or societal rules of behavior. Um, so I think they're going to change any rule. Any individual Sith is going to change the rule to cert the, to uh, to suit their greedy individual um, need. Yeah. Uh-huh. Thank you. Do you have a certain ask a situation where one of them changed it? Uh, or well, like with Darth Maul, how he was still alive even after Palpatine had trained like three um, apprentices. Right. So Darth Maul chose to ignore the rule of two and considered him the real considered himself the real sith lord and then was training his brother savage so really in darth maul's mind he was the only sith lord (laughs) and training training the second one so i think the rule of two was still in his mind he was just delusional that sidious was still out there and yeah that's why when he eventually meets up with sidious sidious uh says you're a rival yeah, I'm, yeah. Darth Maul's just pretending, yeah. Delusional. There you go. Thank you. Nice. Uh, what's your favorite uh, force ability? Uh, favorite force ability? Hmm, that's a really, really good one that I've never thought about but obviously it's the first one that comes to my mind which is force projection 
Yeah, I think that ultimately we're um, we're more than just these physical beings, and that our true essence is is something greater. And I think force pro- force projection is probably the Star Wars equivalent of tapping into that while we're still uh, in the galaxy and not 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 gone beyond to be a force ghost. Yeah, force projection. That's the coolest. You know, you could fight people non-violently like Luke did without having to, uh, you could solve problems. I like how Luke used that ability to solve a problem with non-violence. So in Return of the Jedi, Leia senses that Luke's okay. Why doesn't she become a Jedi? Like she has the force. I, I think ultimately what they set up and in those movies and, and now what they're, they've really driven home with all the new content, especially uh, the sequel trilogy and the Kenobi series, is that Leia is, has a, a higher calling, which is to be the leader, a, a leader that's even greater than a Jedi, that's helping more lives than even a Jedi could. And uh, I know that George Lucas in his foreword to a uh, big book that came out a few years ago I think it was called Star Wars Archives for the I can't remember which trilogy but he did a forward an interview in the forward and he said that in his opinion Leia was going to bring bring balance to the galaxy as a as a political leader and that she was um, in essence the chosen one because of that that she brought balance to the entire galaxy as a leader yeah Uh, thanks If the Jedi really knew that Palpatine was Dark Sidious, why did they let him rule for so long? Uh, they didn't know that he was Dark Sidious. I think it was it was close to Revenge of the Sith that they started to suspect that because the, the dark, you know, there was um, what did Yoda say in Revenge of the Sith that a cloud of or Mace Windu said a cloud of the dark side surrounded the chancellor. So they, I think they suspected he was Sith or at least in wor- working in league with the Sith, but, um, but they had no proof, you know, so the Jedi are, Jedi are um, for better or worse. And at that time, an order that was a part of the system that had to do everything uh, by the book. And um, when Anakin says to mates, that you can't kill the chancellor, that he has to be brought to trial. That's because that's what the civilized society would do based on the rules that they've agreed to, that if he's a Sith and he's, he's taking control uh, of the Republic, then he needs to be put on trial and given a, a fair trial and not just, you know, murder. Yeah, so Anakin was actually right about that. His intentions were selfish because he just wanted the chancellor to save Padme, help him save Padme. But that, that's why the Jedi have to, you know, the Jedi just can't do what Mace was wanting to do, which is on a whim, um, murder someone unilaterally without, uh, without counsel. Yeah. But un- unfortunately, that's always a drawback of a civilized society that you have to, you have to do things 
uh, you have to do things in community and think things through and not act unilaterally on your on your own. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, do you think the imperial office? Why do you think the imperial officers were more afraid of the emperor than Darth Vader? Oh, sorry. Can you repeat? I didn't hear. Why do you think the imperial officers were more afraid of the emperor than Darth Vader? Oh well, we haven't actually we haven't actually seen why imperial officers are <laughs> have we? Um, I would I would just assume that. They would think, you know, if, if Vader's if Vader's that evil and he's going to force choke us if we mess up, then his boss has to be even worse. <laughs> I don't know. Thank you. Do you what context? Do you remember a scene where they're more afraid of the Emperor than Vader, or is it from um, a book? When Vader arrived in, during the Return of the Jedi, when Vader arrived, um, he was threatening them with getting bringing the Emperor, and they were more afraid of the Emperor coming than just having Vader there. Oh, right. And he says, the emperor is not as forgiving as I. Um, yeah, I think take Vader at his word that, you know, if, if Vader is going to force choke someone from messing up, then Palpatine's going to do something <laughs> worse. I'll leave that up to your imaginations. <laughs> I don't know what that is. You're welcome. Um, why doesn't Han Solo believe in the force? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of uh, just like our real world um, when people are preoccupied with the material, they are not focused on exploring the possibilities of the immaterial. And I think Han Solo at a young age had definitely become enamored with uh, not just making his way, but trying to make a good amount of money as a smuggler yeah. and i think he um i'm gonna go a step further so if you're if you're material and you only care about materialism stuff like money then you have a separation mentality so you see things as being me and you and us and them mm -hmm. and i have to get for me at the expense of other people because we're really we're really all separate individuals. And if we're all separate, might as well just take for me. Whereas uh, spiritual mentality is, is, in my opinion, defined by the, the notion that we're all connected and that we're connected to each other, that we're connected to the earth and the universe and to the force or God or whatever you want to call it. So uh, from, a, from that mentality, you would then care less about um material things and you would believe in the in the thing behind what connects everything so i think once han solo goes through his arc of seeing selfless people like luke and leia and realizing that they were selfless and they were also that helped them to be connected to the force which is to be connected to others that that turned him into a believer of the force behind everything connecting each other. Cause you have to remember even Dave Filoni was making a point of making this clearer when he was, have you seen rebels? Uh, no. Okay. So when rebels, Dave Filoni tries to make what I'm saying even clearer by um, when he's teaching Ezra to use the force, he's Ezra has a connection with animals. 
So by teaching Ezra to connect with animals um, to, to another being and realize they're connected and not separate, that was helping him tap into the force. So, so ultimately what I'm saying is uh, separation mentality leads to selfishness and probably uh, a focus on the material world. And um, unif unification mentality leads to selfishness because you see everyone as literally you. Uh, I am the tree. I am Yoda. I am whatever. And then that helps you the force that is connecting you just by seeing yourself as other then you tap into the force. So I think Han Solo goes through that journey to, into, into old age to, for me, by the, by the time of rise of Skywalker, he's actually Kylo Ren. Isn't just seeing him in his mem memory to me. That's because Han has achieved some level of understanding uh, the connectivity of everything in the force. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. That's a really tough question. That would be the hardest one for me to answer. So I hope I did. Why do you think Darth Vader is obsessed with finding Luke in the film Empire Strikes Back? Ultimately, subconsciously, deep down, I think he's looking for love. Thank you. He probably thinks he's getting rid of a rival, you know, for the emperor, but deep down he's looking for love that he doesn't have. Um, what do you think would have happened if uh, Master Windu would have killed the emperor before Anakin got there? Oh, that's a good question. I've always thought that the plan of the force to balance the galaxy in the forest was for Anakin to do it in that moment. To, to stop Mace Windu, to do things the right way, to put Palpatine on trial, to uncover the truth slowly. Um, he would have, by bringing, bringing balance, he would have been able to quit the Jedi if they weren't allowed, wouldn't allow him to marry. He could have, could have brought balance and then just married Pam, uh, Padme and been a fam, family person. But instead he didn't choose to do that. And, um, oh, sorry, what was the question again? I got an answer. Um. If Anakin wouldn't have gotten there before Windu killed the Emperor, like he gotten to kill the Emperor. If, if he had, Anakin hadn't gotten there and yeah, so, so I think that um, that would just open up a whole new, <laughs> that would open up a whole new like uh, universe of po possibilities, like almost like a, an alternate timeline because Mace would have killed the killed the emperor, thereby thereby defeating the Sith. But I don't think balance would have been brought because I think Anakin would have been even more angry because he wouldn't have Palpatine to, in his mind, help him save Padme. So I think that would have uh, driven Anakin further down the dark side, and he probably would have been become the head Sith to learn the secrets of saving people from dying. And uh, then we would have, he, yeah, he would have been the head Sith. And then that would have been the next movie. Instead of the emperor, uh, Palpatine as the emperor in episode four, it would have been Anakin as emperor in episode four. Thank you. I think he would have killed Mace Windu and, and just, yeah. <laughs> Fun questions. So then uh, I want to be respectful of your time. Do you have 10 more minutes? Or you, when, you, when do you need to leave?
Uh, actually, I, I do. I had, um, I, I, I have like two more minutes. Okay. So we'll get yeah. maybe one more question in then. Yeah. Thanks. I'm, I'm sorry about that. This oh, is no, uh, not at all. I'm just glad that you're here. Okay. Thanks, Greg. Why do you feel Darth Vader or Anakin is more connected to Luke than Leia? You know, uh, this is an important thing to remember is that George Lucas said that Star Wars was biographical and that for him to commit decades of his life to something, he needed to make it personal. So I just feel like that's because in, in Lucas's mind, he was Luke and uh, Darth Vader was kind of his father. Yeah. But what's cool is that to end on this question is great because what we were saying before is that, and then in later in life, as Lucas became uh, genuinely really concerned with even portraying um, female roles in his movies even more powerfully than he already did with Leia, I think because of his new wife, Melody, and his daughters, he really wanted to focus on that side. So I think it would have just been great to see Lucas's sequel trilogy where he had Leia become the chosen one. Yeah. Thank you. Cool. That is a great note to end on. So uh, I just want to say thank you again so much for, for joining us today. Oh, this was, uh, this was really fun. I've never spoken to a classroom. I'd love to again. Those are all great questions and uh, all stuff I really always want to talk about. Nice. All right, my friend. Well, have a great day uh, and we'll talk again soon. Yeah, you too. May the force be with you all. So as we close, we just want to say thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect with us, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook, email us at readingbetweenreels at gmail.com, or use the SpeakPipe app on our website. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on your favorite podcast catcher. We'd love to hear your feedback. It really helps us get the word out about the podcast. And if you haven't yet, please join our Facebook group. It's a safe place to share your thoughts and discuss all things related to movies.